0: A demo can lose you a deal, but a demo is not really always like going to win you a deal. Like you're you can definitely lose a deal because you're not focusing on the right things. But if you listen to the customer and focus on the right things, it can progress you through the deal.
1: Hey everyone, George Soto here, and you're tuning into Demo Diaries. Today I'm joined by my friend, Dale Zawinski, who's VP of North American Sales at BZ, which I know is a European company. Dale, it's really great to see you. So yeah. I just have to say, you've been in this space for a long time. You've been like an OG in this whole like sales tech space. Somehow I got back into it. It's good <laughs> to see you.
0: Good to see you, George. Thanks for having me on. Man, it's been a while, but I'm uh, I'm super happy we got to connect. Absolutely. Are you still in the Tampa area? I am. I uh, just south of Tampa, so I'm enjoying it. We, you know, enjoying the the West Coast beach life uh, in Florida. So
1: nice. Yeah. Well, I'm loving it too. My mom's in Tampa, so I and then our CRO right now at Reprise is in the tampa area as well so uh, i'll have to connect with him yeah yeah he's a great guy uh, bill so um, yeah we'll we'll connect you why don't you take a quick second if you don't mind just like telling folks a little bit about your career background because you've just done so many incredible things worked at some really great companies and how'd you get to this point running go-to-market sales for this european organization bz yeah so um funny story
0: actually in uh college i ended up taking coding, so I actually was a coder for a while. So I wrote Pascal, wrote Java, wrote .NET, and I was more in the technical side of the world. But like 1999, the whole Y2K bug thing, I was doing an implementation in New York City and uh, I was doing some work and uh, the project manager for the customer was like super mad at our salesperson. And like at that point in time, I was like, I'm gonna go into sales and I'm gonna change up the way sales people are thought about. And so um, that's kind of where I got my entree in the sales. But I took a, a different path. So I went to a bunch of startup companies, done a bunch of startups. Uh, I think this is now my seventh. I call startup high growth companies. Like they're kind of blended together now. Um, but I did about seven of them in three different countries: so the U.S., the U.K., and Holland. And and then I went to Oracle. So I kind of did the reverse uh, reverse path. A lot of people do like a big company Fortune 500 and then go into a smaller startup, but um, I kind of went that way, uh, but I love sales and I love uh, watching things grow. I like having my hands in a bunch of different things. And so um, I got an opportunity through um, Avenue Town Partners, which Amy Volus, who is awesome. Um, her whole group uh, connected me with the, the guys at Beezy. They've been killing it out in Europe and doing tons of work. We do employee, uh, employee engagement on top of Microsoft uh, 365 and SharePoint, and so we're we're pushing into the U.S. hard now.
1: Nice, or North well,
0: America, I should say.
1: That's awesome. You know, and and one of the things I think it sounds great uh, about this role is that you're essentially pushing, building out this market. Of a pre-existing fast growing companies, which has for me that it's it sounds fantastic. It's a lot of fun, but it also has its, you know, its process and its challenges. As a sales leader, when you're in this situation, right, where you need a demo environment, right, to start the demo to companies in the US, it has to be relevant, right? It's gonna be a little different than the companies that they've been selling to. Where do you typically go? to to get that demo environment and and then also like you know what 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 are some of those challenges and how do we get around those to really make sure you got the tools
0: yeah it, this is super timely actually because we're just talking about our demo environments we have a we have a demo environment but most of the people are using it in all different parts of the, uh, the globe so Germany, uh, Spain, uh, you know, the U.S., Canada. So we're all using different things, but they're leaving a lot of the data behind. So we've been talking a lot about, you know, how do we clean up the data after ourselves? How do we not leave it so uh, so it's not um, it's kind of trash for the next people coming? So we've been actually doing a lot of work around how do we how do we make sure that we have a fresh demo environment no matter what time and and the other problem is time zones right so you know it could be that Barcelona or you know Spain or Germany are doing a bunch of uh demos but then they're going to sleep but then the demo environments you know kind of you know a little bit behind and then we would have to do it in the U.S. so we're we've been talking about how do we structure in such a way that the languages aren't such a big deal we're very language agnostic so the language part's not a big deal for us but um, just people putting in demos and specific things that a customer may want. So we're starting to figure out: do we segment out the demo environments? Do we, you know, do we give each country their own little demo environment? So we're we're having those conversations as we as we scale and grow.
1: And the distinctions between the demo environment and countries are they more like oh these countries or these types of companies over here like more specific features than another?
0: Um. I- A bit more generic than that, but I think it depends on how long the the maturity cycle of the customer. So if a customer has just started off and just brought SharePoint online in-house, or they've been a Microsoft 365 customer forever, there's different levels of functionality that they may be interested in. The one thing I've learned about BZ since I've been here is that it's so deep. Like I, I was thinking, oh, it's kind of like a high level tech on top of a bunch of stuff, but there's so much depth in it that as you start drilling into it, you could be demoing. I've seen some demos for three and a half hours. Like it's literally that deep. And so, you know, you kind of have to figure out before you go into the demo, exactly where you want to focus and then focus on it. And I think that's a big challenge, not necessarily just at BZ, but in general, most people want to demo all these features and I think one of the things that is most important is really figuring out what the customer wants. Like, yeah, we have all these great features but the reality is if you if you don't care about them then why are we showing them?
1: That's actually a really good segue into my next question which is like, do you have specific types of demos that map to certain stages in the CRM or statuses?
0: Yeah, so uh, that's one of the things that we, we're starting to build out as well. I, I think in general has happened in the past um, is we kind of show a lot of stuff like we we've shown many things and i think now what we're doing is doing a better job on the discovery side up front and then basically focusing the demo on the on the pieces that are really important to the business but then showing them like maybe the best way to describe it is art of the possible so yes here's the stuff that is your immediate need but we can grow into other stuff and so you may have a 30 minute demo or a 45 minute demo for your first demo after you've done discovery, but then we go into a more technical demo. We may do a, a deep dive on the technical side, how you manage it, how you structure it. And then we may go to like a workshop. So we may have within the sales process, multiple ways to do a demo and it could lead all the way up into a, like a workshop perspective.
1: Are there any like distinctions that, that really stand out between the demos and the demo environments from a sales perspective, of course, uh, at large companies like Oracle versus maybe medium-sized, high-growth mm-hmm. companies like yours now and then just like early-stage startups?
0: Yeah, I think Oracle is very structured and kind of like you only get what you get and that's like it. Like you're, you, they, have a, they have it down pretty well. I think for smaller companies like that are just starting up, you're more flexible, but you could totally destroy your demo environment much easier than you could at Oracle. Like Oracle, they kind of have things pretty locked down, but here it's more, you know, it's not as locked down, it's not as much structure. So, and we're starting to build persona based demos, right? So, how do you build those persona based demos? And then if you matrix that across um, verticals, so maybe it's financial services or it's healthcare with it within a certain persona so those are all things that you gotta start thinking about as you're building these demos because this one-size-fits-all demo thing just it's not doesn't work anymore and people don't care and they get like if you don't hit what they're trying to accomplish then it doesn't matter what you're demoing i always think a demo can lose you a deal but a demo is not really always like gonna you know, win you a deal like you're good you can definitely lose a deal because you're not focusing on the right things but you if you listen to the customer, and focus on the right things, it can progress you through the deal.
1: When you think about, you just mentioned the planning that you're putting together around this matrix between like personas and then uh, verticals. What, you know, if folks are trying to like kind of implement that or figure out a strategy to do that, any tips that stand out that you would give them?
0: Yeah. Start one side or the other. Start at persona based or vertical based. Because um, they both have their own little challenges in them, and then you can matrix it. So I would start on one side and then and then progress out. Um, but I definitely recommend doing both of them at some point. It just depends on where you are in your growth cycle and how crowded your market is. Like if there's a lot of people saying the same things that you're saying, then how are you going to differentiate? And The other thing I've started to think about a lot is, can you build a demo or a demo environment that is is robust enough or um, strong enough where you can have your customers do some of the demo before they come in and have you demo? Like, can you ask them certain questions? Then based on their questions, they can either, whether it's a video or they can actually walk through the product in a way that can help them Understand before they even have a conversation with you. Because as you and I know, I mean, we've been in this game for a long time. People want to do their own research before they give you an email address or a phone number for them to contact.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's been core to this whole like product-led growth conversation, right? Uh, hold on one second. My dog keeps uh, chewing on... I like it. Arthur, come on. <laughs> He's like on the other side of the room, showing on that. Sorry about that. Um,
0: no, Work right, at so, home. that's what happens, yeah.
1: Right. Uh, so we'll, we'll start back with the you know the product led uh, growth stuff. So, yeah, so that's been really core to this product led growth discussion mm-hmm. we've been in and we've been having. Of course, we're evangelizing this like persona based, vertical based specialization. But, I what I think I'm hearing is like you can actually use customized demos to really differentiate your offering as opposed to the generic one. And a lot of folks might just be giving that generic demo and not really personalizing it. Yeah.
0: I think that happens way more often than not because it's it's a lot of work. Like one of my, rep, one of the reps out of, uh, Germany, she's got like, a huge demo script and she does it in German and English. And then and then we're building like internal training and onboarding based on personas. And so the demos are really going to be specialized based on the personas because we'll sell into HR or comms, internal comms, but then we'll also sell to IT because IT is managing a lot of the SharePoint stuff. So those demos are completely different and you got to you have to nail certain things in those in those in those two different um, environments.
1: How are you thinking about onboarding and training your reps to really take this new approach? Where a lot of us have just demoed, you know, the kitchen sink. You know, it's always that problem, which I probably lost a lot of deals doing that early on in my career. <laughs> uh, I, I actually did a, a pretty shitty de- generic demo a couple months ago here, which I was I'm still having nightmares about uh, because I was just like super new and didn't know the product well enough and did the same stupid demo that I did for the first stakeholder to to a room well, Zoom room of 20 people, which was a total no no. Right. So I I, luckily we had uh, when I transitioned to marketing, we had a super rock star take over and she closed the deal. But I don't know. It was a bit embarrassing for me, especially being like someone who really loves sales. And I just like all the stuff that I've trained and thought about went out the uh, the tubes or down yeah. the tube, I should say.
0: When I come on, so I actually think about onboarding and training a little bit differently. So we use our own platform internally to do a lot of our own training. Um, but I always think about learn the objections. Like what are the objections you're hearing? And then you can map a demo or your presentation And you can start nailing objections. And then if you get really good at it, you can figure out what are the things that you're better than the competitors at. And then you can put those in your presentations as like things that you're better at. And then they'll figure out that they have to ask the competitor the problem. So I think the biggest challenge people have in onboarding is they try to train feature functionality. And I think they need to change their mindset to to train on objection handling and objections. And then you'll hear, you'll hear the features and functionalities a million times. So forget about those, look at the objections.
1: Awesome. And how are you tracking whether your reps are actually following this framework? I know it's hard, I've heard like chorus or gong, you know, but even that is, is, you know, (laughs) listening to a hundred hours of films is a bit tough sometimes. Yeah.
0: Um, Luckily now we're not that big and, I am a very hands on sales leader. So I love being on as many presentations as I can get on. Um, So if there's a presentation, I try to get on it. Um, I'll rearrange stuff just so I can listen because I'm always learning. Whether I've been like my last company, I was there for three and a half years and I was still on like every presentation, just about like if I I would miss a couple of them, but. For me, firsthand is much better than listening to the, the backside of it. I've never actually used a chorus or a gong or any of those technologies. It's all like pick, pick, shovel, and axes, man. Just o- getting school, in baby. there, yeah. old school. Hell yeah! And awesome. just asking great questions. Like I, people, people, I think get really lazy with their questions. So, like, you can ask a question, but if you ask a better question, you're going to get a better answer. And so it's more about, you know, how do I, how do you coach, not how do you like ask questions? Like you got to coach them. And so that's the other thing. There's, there's two things that I've been seeing a lot of. One is people have way too many direct reports. So like if you have 10 or 12 direct reports, like you have way too many, you can't coach them. So I try to keep like six to eight direct reports so that I can actually coach and spend the time with them.
1: Yeah, that's a good ratio. And I think that that you see a lot of people who get into these manager roles who don't actually get coaching, right? Like it's Mm. the whole paradox of like, Oh, the super great salesperson who then is is promoted because they're crushing it. And they're just narcissists, right? Like not, I'm not, you know, I, no, I hate to make a general it's statement. A, it's a good, but, yeah. No, yeah, it's but totally they were happens. really good at like me making money and right. not empowering folks. And I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who just became, she she falls into the super rock star AE um, who then was just moved up to director level. And so this she just started a couple months ago and uh, she was like, hey, do you have any advice? And I said, I'll give you one piece of advice and it was—it's no longer about you anymore, and yep. it's about them. And if yep. you can make them win and support them, then you win by default. And that yeah. was my piece of advice. And that's kind of yeah. how I felt. It is,
0: it's good, and I, I, that's a great piece of advice. I don't think enough people—we don't do enough—we don't do enough training for salespeople. We'll, we do even less training for sales leaders, and that's—that's that's a huge issue actually. Um, and so, one of the things I started thinking about is. I had a, my when I left my last company, my top rep said, Dale, why don't you just go back to the individual contributor? You'll you'll make so much more money. You'll kill it. But that's not what I'm about anymore. Like I, I've made money. I'm fine with money. Um, but my I love to see people more successful. So I was telling this to someone recently. I so when I used to carry a bag, I would always have like an SDR. Right. You kind of you kind of go in parallel with, with SDRs. Of the five SDRs, three or four of them are actually AEs now. Like, they've graduated, and I used to love coaching them. Like, here's how we do it. This is what I think about. And then, they like, they got so excited. Like, one's an, one's an AE at Oracle. One's an AE at ServiceNow. Like, they just, they enjoyed having those conversations. Great companies. So, yeah. So, I just, you know, for me, it's about growing people and coaching. And I just love sales so much. And I, I think we have had such a bad um. There's there's just such a bad perception about salespeople and and there's it's warranted like a lot of salespeople suck like so um, I think you have to I think you have to we have to do better as a community and that is both sales and and helping the leaders
1: and leaders ab- amen absolutely you know, if you had a, a tip, one tip, because you've done tons of enterprise deals over the course of your career and you know, led and managed uh, quite a few reps over the years. If you had one tip that you would give sales leaders out there around improving their close rates around enterprise deals, something they could like start to implement tomorrow, what would that tip be?
0: Ask better questions, definitely. Like, ask better questions, and it's not about you. Like, stop talking about yourself, ta- stop talking about your product. I see so many people talk about it. Just be super curious. Stop. Stop thinking you know everything. The, the problem is people, especially if you're super successful and you've been doing successful a long time, you start going into deals, like thinking you know what they're gonna want or thinking you know, like go into every sale, like, you know, what was that movie? Like Forty First First Dates or something like that. Like you, every day is like a brand new thing. It's super hard. It's not easy. I, I don't, I can't do it either, but just try to get super curious with your customers and put yourself in
1: their shoes. Some And any particular questions that come to mind or types of questions?
0: I think you just have to try to stop being generic and ask them questions about their own business, like find something out about them. I think I'm trying to remember who this was, like Gabe Via Mazzara, I think. And he gave me a tip and I think he got it from someone. Take three minutes, find three facts out about somebody or a company or whatever before you start talking to them, and then get super curious on those three things. Because the question's it, it's a hard it's a hard thing to say because those questions lead to other lead to answers that then you're gonna have additional questions on, so I think you have got to find something either that you can relate to in that person or in their certain situation. It could be, um, hey, we're seeing a lot of uh, healthcare companies have challenges with X Y Z, and I'm thinking that you're having that same problem. And then if they say yes, like that rolls into a lot of other uh, conversations. So. It's hard to say one particular question, but I would just say, like, um, change your I quotient to we quotient, like, if you're talking a lot more, or sorry, you quotient, sorry, if you're, if you're talking about I all the time, and you have more eyes than you, then you're talking way more about yourself. So just try to figure out those quotients a little bit better.
1: Awesome. Yo, thank you so much for your time. Very yeah. much appreciated. appreciate it. If folks want to follow you on social Hit me media, you, LinkedIn. you are yeah. an influencer here. Yeah, you I are a thought leader. It, you know. I don't know
0: about that. I, I, just, <laughs> I just like to put out con- like Mike, someone asked me this question every day. They're like, well, how do you come up with
1: content every day? I'm like,
0: it's what I ever talked about the day before. Like it, it's, it, it, I don't have to come up with it. It's just whatever I'm working on.
1: Yeah, well, following you is like a, an MBA in sales and <laughs> Thank you. revenue. So awesome. Well, folks, do uh, do follow Dale on LinkedIn. Uh, and we will put the URLs to his LinkedIn in the YouTube video here. Uh, so you can uh, you can just find it there if, if you are not able to find it searching. Dale, hope to see you in person soon, man. Yeah. You know, we have to get uh,
0: together. If you're up in the area,
1: definitely, let's connect.